Welcome to Handpicked, and in this episode, I'll be speaking to Jackie from Nurturing NDIS. It's a great business that is ready to scale, and she wants to know how. Well, hello, Jackie, and thank you so much for coming on uh, this episode of Handpicked. Maybe just to give us a little context, why have you asked us some questions today? Well, I'm asking you some questions because I would just love to pick your brains and get your thoughts on a couple of burning questions I've got about my business. Uh, So my business is called Nurturing Your NDIS, and it's designed to help uh, women who are setting up their NDIS services to effectively understand the funding program that NDIS is, um, how to become a registered provider and um, how to um, manage their services in such a way that it fits the funding model. And um, that's a bit of an unknown for a lot of people who are setting up their business. And NDIS being the National Disability Scheme Operating in Australia, which is a government program. So it's a it's a unique service. You're supporting people in terms of how they apply and make sure that they comply so that they can get business through the National Disabilities um, Service. That's exactly right. And it's, uh, it's a little bit of a twist and turn, rabbit warren of information. And so it makes it very difficult for people to know what it is they should be doing and how they can be complying. So uh, it's in everyone's interest to have um, quality services out there. And uh, the struggle for new providers is just to understand the lay of the land and uh, what information is relevant to them. Fantastic. So hit me up with a question. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to take your business? <laughs> okay. So one of the um, the challenges is um, not trying not to work alone. So I read somewhere that there's strength in numbers and not enough people are collaborating. And um, this can be due to a sense of um, competition and um, that people should try to keep things a secret and feeling that no one is out there to help them. When in fact the opposite is true because um, there are there's safety in numbers and you can learn a lot from other people. But what I'm interested to get from you, I guess, is how do you go about collaborating with partners that can help expand your service offering or um, help increase your capacity? You're absolutely right. Back in the day, they used to be enemies and now they're frenemies and maybe they're going to be partners. And I guess what is really important and why our professional associations are so successful is because like-minded people get to hang out together and they also have professional development. So in that instance, I would ask the question, is there a professional association for your sorts of business? Because obviously um, authority, accreditation and and as um, the governance and the requirements change is making sure that you're up to date. So for me, I would argue, how do people know that you are good? And if so, is there a professional body of which you can also get your professional development, but 
also people may go to that professional body uh, and look for services such as yourself uh, and you would have that authority. And it might take stretching your imagination somewhat. I remember when we started our business at Red Balloon, I never would have thought that we might join uh, IATA, which is the International Association of Travel Agents, when in fact that was a peak body that we could be associated with and learn a lot from. So there might not be one specifically in your exact space, but I do think that peak bodies can serve uh, people and you can get the um, education and nurturing you require too. Yes, that, that's a good point. I think the um, the challenge is because of the spread of uh, work that people do, for example, therapists, um, support coordinators, community nurses, um, these people are uh, belong to different professional associations. Um, and uh, what's really interesting is that there was a, an, a new association created called the Disability Intermediaries Association for support coordinators and plan managers. Um, so perhaps I could uh, look to join that one. That sounds like a great idea. And yes, I understand the variety. I'm involved with Cerebral Palsy uh, Alliance and also my sister's a speechy. So, um, you know, and that's a different spectrum. So I, I appreciate that. Another question I've got is how do you get great people to work with you? Um, it's, uh, it's not only saying yes to working with you, but it's also how do you negotiate out what it is you want them to do and how you want them to work when there may be no money on the table. It just may be an opportunity to collaborate. Yes. Um, so if you don't win their hearts and minds, uh, no amount of money will keep people um, focused. So this will come from you and who you are as a leader and how you articulate the contribution and your purpose. Because people do want to work with, partner with, uh, be employed by people who are, are strong, are safe, and they feel that they will learn and grow and develop and contribute to others. If there is nothing else that we know about human beings, we love to be able to make a difference to others. And that includes who and where we spend our energy and our time, whether it's in a volunteer capacity, probably even more so as a volunteer capacity, uh, or in paid employment. So the way you articulate what you do powerfully and the stories that you tell around it. And, and one of the things that I have done is be really clear about the impact that we're having on others. And there's two particular stories that I have told, I think, relentlessly, and people might have heard them over and over. But one of the reasons that I continue to tell them is, A, they're true. And B, if people hear them, secondly, they go, oh, I'm reminded of that. And she didn't just make it up in the moment. Um, one of those stories was uh, we always send to people who go on an experience, uh, how was it for you? And I would read every single one. I don't now, but I would read every single one. And a wonderful way to find out the impact you're having is to pick the phone up and ask people. And from that, you get the story and then you get to share that story. And that one was particularly about a man who 
bought for his father a DC-3 flight and for his 84th birthday. And he said his father was excited like a little boy going to a birthday party uh, when he drove him to Bankstown Airport. And he said on the way home, my father shared with me that as a young man, he'd heard the first DC-3 flight on the wireless and he'd always, always wanted to be on one. And so when you understand the human impact that you have, it makes a difference. And on the other side, because I work in a two-sided marketplace, as do you, it was very much about what impact are we having to small businesses around Australia and be able to speak and tell their story. So the stories and the only way you find out is by listening to people, uh, the impact you've had and you've got to run rate, talk to them, just say, what did you find? And it's not a research study, it's about understanding the impact that you have. You know, while it makes complete sense and it sounds, you know, uh, insanely simple, um, it does actually bring back that um, that sense of why. Why should we work together? What is the outcome going to be and, and how is that going to help people? Business is a people game and we sometimes forget it. We do business with people we like. We invest in those relationships and it's not always about the outcome. It can be about the journey. I know I like working with people I like. You know, it's that simple. And so, um, you know, it's a people game and we can't, And you, of anyone, is in the people game. That's something I think uh, is free. Like it doesn't cost you a single cent to talk to people about what their experience has been um, and yet it just gives you so much richness to go back and talk to others about. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and my, I guess my final question is um, about shared task management software, which is, um, uh, yeah, and a CRM. I mean, these are all things that small businesses need, but there's so many out there and the time and investment it takes to set these things up is quite terrifying, particularly when you um, are fickle and you keep changing your mind. And some days I want to invest lots of money in the business and then other days I don't. So I've got to be consistent myself. But I would love to get find a tool that could work for me and I'd love to have a great team of people who can help make it happen. So what's your advice there? Oh, I wish I had a dollar for every tech, tech platform I've chosen because I've, you know, and so sometimes we make mistakes on that. Um, I think if there's one thing I've learned, no matter what, is to invest in the learning of whatever you choose, is to watch the YouTube videos, is to do their tutorials. I think we use about 5% of any of the platforms we're actually using. Uh, when and, and we have changed over the years. You know, when we were a smaller business, we had the Google platform and we used all of their uh, products. But then once we got uh, bigger, we needed an enterprise solution and we migrated to um, a Microsoft platform and we find Teams does interface particularly well with things like planner, project, tasks and inside your email. It is horses for courses in the sense of, you know, you might not want an enterprise-level solution or you might say, yes, it's worthwhile investing now because I can scale. And all of them also have a level of customer relationship management. But depending on how big you're going to be uh, or how big you want to be or what you think your audience is, is the level of investment that you might make uh, in CRM. 
Um, there's also off-the-shelf um, application software as a service that's not particularly expensive and will interface into your other uh, programs. Uh, we used um, MailChimp as an interim before we went to campaign monitor before we went to Salesforce Marketing Cloud. So you can see, you know, it is a journey. And I guess if there's one thing I'd make about uh, technology choices, it's not going to be forever. You do have to have an ear for the ground as you as you change, your uh, applications may change too. It is an investment in time in learning how they all work whether we like it or not. And one of the things that we did um, when we all left the office in March last year, we are back in an office now, but when our team left is every week our um, our team uh, member who looks after IT would write a post and send a link of a YouTube video so we could learn the features and become super users. And that was an investment we thought was important for our team. Yeah, well, that is quite an investment. Did I read somewhere that you started working with your next door neighbour who was in IT. <laughs> yes. Mark, Mark, that was, that. You, you're quite right. That was a very funny story. Um, and he was with us for four years and I would be forever grateful. Um, but I guess also the hard thing is when you're in startup um, and moving your business and beginning to grow, Everybody does everything and you all have to be generalists. It's the only way you get through that. You can't have a specialist just on CRM or you can't have a tech support and so forth. So, you know, the developer does tech support, does, you know, your, your systems and your servers and everything. And then at some point you need specialists. And I think that that is in scaling a business, that is quite a choice to make is when when do we go from all being generalists? And I would argue I'm still a generalist, uh, whereas there's a lot of specialists now throughout our enterprise. Oh, that is amazing. Um, I did um, hear that, um, you know, the lady from Bird's Nest in uh, Cooma, um, she hired a um, someone who hadn't quite graduated in software engineering and he stayed with her from the beginning right up to where she is now and has built everything from the ground up, which is incredible when you think about the complexity. It is incredible and they've got a wonderful business and I know it. Um, the one thing that happened when Mark left and you mentioned that is we became a little vulnerable because he had designed and built everything the way he designed and built everything. And so documentation, particularly with bespoke systems, is really important. So, you know, you've got to have that hit by a bus strategy. Is there a key person in your business? And if so, how vulnerable are you? And, um, and that, I'm sure she's sorted all of that now, but that is potential vulnerability is a key man or a key person uh, that just knows everything and has all the answers. Well, what if they're not there? And uh, we can't, no business, it doesn't matter, it, needs, it can be dependent on anybody, including the founder. If the business is still dependent on a founder at some point, then it's not a business. So, no, if I get hit by a bus, um, it's, there's plenty of people here who run it much better without me bothering them. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, just out of curiosity, do you think that there's any avenue for Red Balloon to have experiences for people with disabilities? Oh, it's a big part of what we do uh, is making sure that our um, experiences are certified so that we know the level of ability that the person can have. And we did that years and years ago and we're just going through a process now of recertification. It's part of our um 
ESG program, our um, social responsibility program, to make sure that we are 100% inclusive. Now, this does not mean that every experience will be able to take somebody who might be a quadriplegic or wheelchair bound, but that they will know and um, or hearing impaired or sight impaired or in, in intellectual capacity. But it is about making sure that that is documented so that people people can make that choice themselves. But we have experiences for absolutely everything, everybody, um, no matter their level of uh, Oh, that's fantastic. I'm really honoured and thrilled to have had a chance to have a chat with you and I really appreciate all your um, insights and suggestions. So my pleasure, so Jackie, be, and I'm sorry to cut you up. off there. So my <laughs> pleasure. I, you know, the work you're doing is important. Remember, the work you're doing is important. If great people who are really skilled and supporting our community through the National Disability Scheme and they don't have access and ticking those right boxes, then our society misses out. So I want you to call deeply on your purpose and the impact that you are having on other business owners, other business operations, so that they can serve our community in the most efficient and effective way. Never forget why you do what you do. Oh, thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Look forward to hearing more about your journey. Oh, thank you.